0: I believe that uh, you know well-done technology products, in a way, create a sense of curiosity to make people want to download it and try it, and that's what we're trying to get to.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode 53 of Great Things with Great Tech, the podcast highlighting companies doing great things with great technology. My name is Anthony Spatiri. In this episode, we're talking to a company who is looking to liquefy, compute, network, storage, and GPUs from bare metal servers, using those liquefied resources to create multi-tenant virtual data centers. The company software creates a fully integrated virtual cloud software stack to build, deploy, and manage virtual data centers. That company is Verge IO. I'm talking to Jan Ness, CEO at Verge.io. Welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me, Anthony.
1: Excellent. So just before we get into a lot of the great things that you guys are doing, at verge.io. I just want to give a bit of a shout out. So if you love with great things with great tech and would like to feature in future episodes, you can click on the link on the show notes or head to gtwgt.com and register your interest. As always, all episodes of GTWGT are available on all good podcasting platforms, Google, Apple, Podcasts. Uh, Spotify all hosted and distributed via anchor.fm that'll keep you up to date with all the shows as well as YouTube hit that subscribe button and all that jazz okay yeah and how do we got all that out of the way welcome to the show number one great to have you I, I really am impressed with what is it verge.io the Io is part of the name
0: yeah verge.io some people tease me and call me Virgio.
1: ah vergio
0: sometimes but yeah verge.io
1: there you go that's pretty common these days right i think that io um, domain basically yeah. lends itself to to all the cool company names eh? so we, we know quite a few like that so just wanted to clarify that so we can keep on going but hey maybe just start uh, to start with just, just give a bit of a background about you know what verge io does and then i'm really interested in diving into into your career and how you got started in the lead up to you know the company that is now verge.io
0: yeah thank thank thanks for having me anthony this is like this is a great podcast by the way so so verge verge.io we 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 have an operating system effectively and um ultimately what it does is is just greatly simplify the it stack and and there's a whole bunch of reasons why why we we believe that's actually really needed by the world when, when you hear my background, you'll you'll see see why why I felt the pains of of not having uh, sort of uh, of complexity, let's say. And so we're we're we we do that by um reimagining the entire stack as one single piece of software and one virtualization encapsulated thing. so so think think everything from you know, storage, including things like you know, bit rot protection all the way up to BgP. And managing you know your your appearance on the internet through your public IP address and everything in between our software virtualizes that and and the the unique aspect of it is that it doesn't converge multiple things into one it is just one thing to begin with which has all kinds of architectural advantages that, that I'm sure we'll get to today.
1: Yeah I think that you know that makes sense obviously a lot of the people listening and from my background as well understands that you know traditionally, all those things that you mentioned are separate entities, right? And, you know, without question, the cloud, public cloud, um, the hyperscalers have tried to sort of bring those all together, but to a certain extent, they are still that separate entity. And it's actually a rare sort of um, product that I can see that you guys are sort of offering where you're kind of taking that that approach but condensing them all into one, like liquefy. I think that's that's a really good way to describe it actually. And kudos to whoever came up with that way to, to describe what you guys are doing because you're kind of liquefying all those things and putting it into one through the software. But talk a little bit about your background. You kind of highlighted it. You've, you've had a pretty interesting career in terms of startups, entrepreneurship, um and actually, you came out of retirement to to basically lead this company, so they had to be doing something right to get you out of retirement. But <laughs> maybe just give a bit of background in yourself first,
0: yeah, sure. so um you know uh, as a kid i I, I tinkered with computers mm-hmm. as a kid, got a computer science degree from from the University of Michigan here and and um I I've, I've, I've long since sort of stepped out of the technology bucket and and more into into running businesses but my background I've loved software since the first day I mean I have I've been around since you know MS DOS days right Bef- even before that and and software changes the world it changes absolutely everything and I was just fascinated by what you can do with a piece of software and and so I had a couple early early good software companies that that did well in the 80s and 90s I've been a been a serial entrepreneur my whole life um, and then most recently, before I retired, I I ran uh, I bought a small dial-up ISP, believe it or not. Okay. And then um, through a handful of, of of acquisitions and organic growth, built a pretty robust. Um, you know, by the end of the game, it was we 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 were basically the number one cloud hosting provider in the United States that delivered compliant HIPAA compliant. Cloud and hosting. So originally it was dial-up, and then it was colocation, and then dedicated servers, and then VMware came around, and we can talk about that. So I watched that transition. I'll never forget the first time we played with that. Yeah. And then, um, you know, then then cloud came about, and then private cloud, and then reselling public cloud, uh, and then sold that in uh, uh, 2017. And I tried retirement; didn't work. Didn't didn't really work out for me. Uh, we can get into some of that. And uh, here I sit at uh, Verge.io right now.
1: There you go. So you've kind of, I mean, the parallels, obviously, from I've been doing this thing for 20 years, and I actually started still with dial ups, um, though it was it was it wasn't the actual, you know, modems in rack. it was more the the AS 3400s or whatever it was, the Cisco machines mm-hmm. they had all those di- those those modems in there, but definitely I was part of that first sort of hosting wave and the virtualization wave on the other side, right? So it's it's interesting how a lot of these careers parallel and what we've kind of evolved into, which is this modern platform, this modern way of doing everything better that we used to do. Um, and mm-hmm. I think Verge.io is, is definitely doing that. You, mentioned, you, you did mention a little bit about that retirement phase. So what did you do? during retirement you kind of tease that right so we have to i had to ask
0: yeah yeah sure absolutely so so um uh we we sold the business had a really fantastic outcome we had grown the top line 40 fold in in eight years and and um you know it did i did that actually by by focusing on on software sold the business and and the new buyers had their own leadership team which was fine to be just just to be totally honest with you at first i was like wait a minute i've been i've been building this company for 10 years how are you going to how am i supposed to give you the keys and then just be gone the next day i got to help you run this thing right yeah, so at right. first i was like wait a minute they don't want me i thought i thought i was i i, I thought i thought i was important got guy running this <laughs> business right you're like hey wait a minute but I do remember right, I'm a very goal-driven person. And I had written down in my goals as a younger kid, I had sold a software company to, to Liberty Mutual, an insurance company in my 30s. And, and I had to go with the sale and work two years and had to earn out and all that stuff. And I had written down and I'd forgotten this. This is This is important for all you young entrepreneurs. I had written down something saying, I want to build a company that has so much intrinsic value that they don't need me and they're willing to pay full price for it. And I and then I I I was reading some goals and I remembered wait a minute this was what I really wanted all along. That's it. And I I I wonder why. And so we closed the deal. The next morning I turned in my laptop, my keys, and I didn't even have access. We had seven data centers, and I was just I was just gone. It was a huge vacuum in my life. Yeah, I can imagine. And um, it was uh, just one last point. One of the interesting things was. So I'd spent my life, you know, being an entrepreneur and and you entrepreneurs out there know this, you work a lot and you love what you do. You, both of those two things have to be true. You're not going to be successful, by the way. And so all of a sudden I had this vacuum and I don't hunt. I don't fish. I don't do gardening. I don't do woodwork. I don't do artwork. I run tech companies. And so so after about a year of, I'm a, I, I do a lot of sailing. So we, we sail okay. all over.
1: I was going to say, it must have done something.
0: I did. I did sailing okay. and travel with my wife for a little while, and then we started fighting over the TV remote. <laughs> and I'm not so sure what am I going to do. So, so I started looking for something to to sink a little bit of money and my time into.
1: That's awesome. Well, there you go. And and so that's where Verge is now. So Ver, Verge IO in itself has a fairly interesting history, right? So it's kind of um, now. If I was to say, you got to buy it um i think a few of the listeners who have grown up in the VMware world would would know about YottaByte but just maybe talk about how you know from i guess the 2010s how YottaByte came into into being and what it was um and how you know through the years it's kind of evolved into uh Verge IO.
0: yeah so our our founder um Greg Campbell who's absolutely a, a, just a brilliant software engineer was trying to write a search engine in 08, 09. And as he was writing that search engine, you know, a search engine has to be able to do millions of, of searches and search millions of things and give millions of people responses in a quarter second. He found that we kept running into infrastructure limitations. He, he What he wanted, you know, no one server could handle it. So what he wanted was a piece of software that he could install on 30 servers and it would make it look like one big, huge, massive server. And he didn't have to... His application didn't have to worry about that. And, and he likes to solve difficult problems. So he stopped working on the search engine and, and, and worked on this infrastructure software. And the storage is the hardest part of it all, actually. And so he formed a company called Yodabyte. By the way, a Yodabyte is a trillion terabytes. So it's a lot of data. Yep. And and so he built this thing. And the short version of the story is um, he did it in such an elegant, simple way he is. It is the only software-defined storage that can address a Yota byte. Now, you never would do that practically. You never could do that practically, but but he began by completely rethinking how how storage works, and and it's 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 absolutely brilliant what what he did. And I watched this company because I was here in Michigan, and he was in Michigan, and okay. I watched them kind of kind of kind of come out and and it was an amazing piece of software but sometimes you need more than just an amazing piece of technology to be yeah. successful in 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 the market
1: yeah there's there's a big saying the best tech doesn't doesn't always win or hardly ever wins right so yeah right. That, that, that's correctly right. true so in terms of what that was from a story, it, it obviously search needed storage needed scale um that was formed the basis for the, the platform and then looking through the history um, in about the, what are we looking at here, about 2015, 2016, that's when the Verge OS stack started to come together. Um, is that kind of how the Yotabite evolved into what the stack is today?
0: Yes. So basically, you know, if, if you look at the the IT industry, and we've been around long enough to have seen it evolve into these sort of silos of 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 products and technologies. So you've got you know, you've got storage, you've got the hypervisor, you got the networking, you got security, you got operations. And each of those are sort of silos. And, 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 and like, it's not like somebody in 1989 or 92 said, Hey, let's organize it this way. And then all these companies were built They kind of sprang up out of innovations. Right? Well, what Greg did, he said, you know, something, it's a mess it's complicated there's too much orchestration between these things so he took the, the 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 core yodabyte technology and he added a hypervisor to it and the hypervisor knows how the storage works which which you can get some real architectural advantages in that case and then he virtualized layer 2 layer 3 networking well the networking knows how the hypervisor knows how the storage works and 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 all of this is done in a language he invented that includes orchestration, security, encryption, global data deduplication are all inherent in the way the entire stack is written. So you end up with this actually very, very thin layer of software that, that it doesn't converge all those silos because it's not like you started with these silos and then smooshed them together. Yeah. You actually reinvented sort of one big silo that that with one thin piece of software you know, sort of includes everything from bit rot, all the bit rot protection and storage and all that kind of stuff you need all the way up through BGP and managing your public IP uh, presence.
1: Yeah. It's, it's tough putting all those together. And so I, I'm guessing, you know, it, everything that's part of the, the OS, because it is like from what I'm saying now it's an OS and we'll, we'll get to kind of how it's installed mm-hmm. and how it's kind of in architect a little bit later on. But what you're saying is you know he's taken potentially well it's kvm based hypervisor has that been you know slightly modified you know at, at the kernel layer or whatever to, to actually you know connect through the storage which connects into the networking like you said so it's fully modified within this this package mm-hmm. to deliver what you say it delivers
0: yes Yes. And and um, by the way, you know, uh, other than that piece of software, 100% of the software is ours. We don't license anything from everybody, anybody else. It's 100% written by, I know some people will like this, some people might not, but it's 100% written by, you know, US citizens right here in the state of Michigan you know um, under under greg's you know yeah a very 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 discerning eye you know none of it's outsourced none of it's licensed we own 100 percent of everything that's there except the kvm piece
1: that's amazing that's that's cool so so let's let's talk about the the actual software the software um so verge os so what is verge os because what i'm what i've seen and what i'm actually going to I actually started to download it, didn't get time to actually play with it today. but I promise you, I'm going to do that. We talked about that actually in the pre-show, didn't we? Just a, you, a good bit of software is something that you can look at and go, hey, I want to install that and tinker with it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's mm-hmm. exactly what I've got with this. So just a word out there for everyone listening, if you want to do it, um, go to the Verge.io site and actually download it. But effectively, you install it on a, on a couple of, well, in a cluster scenario, say so bare metal, I'm, I'm guessing you can actually potentially install it in a virtual environment as well to test as well. Is, is that is that a possibility? to get a bit of a feel
0: for it as well. Or don't install it on a a virtual environment because I mean we are the boot op. You you can, but you're not, it's not really going to work the right way. That's not how how it's intended. I mean, so we we um by the way, just to be clear, we can't you can't download the software yet. You can get a free, you can, you can use it. We we host it. You can click a button and fill out a form and we'll turn over to you in a matter of minutes a dashboard and you can play with the software. So you don't have to install it. But stay tuned big announcement coming. Oh, okay. There you go. Heard first. Well, kind of heard first. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. But, but, you know, we like to lead with the product. The product is what, you know, we've given it to a number of editors and we're glad to get you a copy of the software, even today, Anthony, if you want, stick it on a couple servers. And it's, to me, it was almost like the first time I played with windows or the first time I played with iPhone. It's like, wait a minute, this, this kind of changes everything. This is so I'm not that technical a person anymore, but I could install it. Grab my mouse and start, you know, specifying sand tiers. Build out a few networks. Put in some ACL. Run a couple of recipes to create, you know, a handful of Linux or Windows servers. And 30 minutes later, I've got I've got up and running infrastructure that I can do something with. And it's it's so so we want to get the software in as many people's hands as possible as soon as possible to play with it and and try it. And a number of editors have have done that. And you can if you go to our website or elsewhere, you can. You can read about you know screenshots and everything about how easy it is to install and deploy this thing it's very very clever
1: yeah there's some good videos actually as well that i saw on your website as well so the official youtube channel and whatnot so definitely go and have a look at that so from the point of view of you know what what they're getting so what i guess the one question i haven't asked yet is you know and it's kind of logical but what problem is it trying to solve you know what why does verge io exist
0: yeah, that's a great question. So so ultimately, it's trying to solve complexity. And why is complexity a problem? Well, well, everybody knows that complexity creates risk. It creates staffing skills gap, right? Um, it creates expense. It hurts agility. It complex means it's harder to secure. and 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 so the this the sort of that's the top layer, the bot one layer below that, our our customers say, man, my patching here, just to get really, really tactical here. My patching schedule went from just an absolute confusing mesh of patching, you know, sequencing. First do your switch, then do your router, then do this, then do that, then do this, then do that. Uh-oh, that one didn't work. Undo, 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 undo. Yep. And and for service providers especially, I don't know how 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 people run their companies today, but at my my prior company. You know, every time we patch something, we we let we let all the customers that were going to be affected know. Hey, oh, yeah. doing a patch. Yep,
1: yep. Sometimes it's always, it's always say, a it's always a it's always a heart and mouth situation, that isn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah, it is. And and for us, our, our 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 MSP and hosting customers say patching is now a non-issue for them because there's just one thing to patch, and it's an encrypted patch and it's a zero downtime patch. It's really easy. So patching is one example. There's a bunch more that we just we just sort of like the IT guys go. Oh, I got my Saturday nights back. God, this is so much better. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of other examples like that when you when you step back and simplify something to its core.
1: Yeah, you know what? Well, I've kind of I've, I'm six and a bit years out of the game, hands-on game, you know, back when I was lead architect at my previous role and you know, I've kind of, I think I've almost repressed the, the memories of what you just talked about, the, 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 the planning meetings that we used to go through to, to plan a VMware upgrade or an NSX upgrade yes. or whether it was an vi- antivirus component or a, a backup component. So, yeah, you're correct. There's so many different pieces that you have to think about. And actually, the more complex or the, the more sophisticated IT got within the hosting space, the more complex it became. Because if you thought about it maybe 10, well, maybe now 15 years ago when we first started in virtualization specifically, um, it's pretty easy. There was a couple of virtual machines, there, Windows, Linux, mm-hmm. easy stuff, mm-hmm. right? A SAN, whatever that might be. Then you got hyperconverged and you got the networking built into it. Then you've got all these external extensions and the extensibility came into place. So now you've got the plugin to do this, to do that. And everything basically added up to if we change one of these particular plugins or extensions or whatever it might be, is it going to break the whole system? And th- inadvertently, the, the answer was yes. So, ha- so sometimes yes. you're actually stuck on upgrades where you couldn't actually upgrade because you, you, you weren't sure you were going to be able to come out the other side. So that, mm-hmm. th- this, that alone is a very, very tangible reason to to consider you know your solution effectively.
0: Yeah, it's a great one. So that that here, here's here's a story about complexity. So, an online tech, it's now called Otava. That was my my prior uh, cloud company. What what I feel like the cloud did, and all the MSPs and hosting providers, they made it look simple. So you go to a, an enterprise and say, "Look, I'm going to give you one bill. It's going to be you know eighteen thousand dollars a month, and you're going to get all this stuff, and your life is simple." You didn't make anything simple. You just hid the complexity. Yeah. And inside our company. Thing, I mean we we had a whole software development team that did nothing but orchestration so we used tools like like you know veeam and VMware and pure storage and Cisco routers and NSX and all these other things and every time we wanted to 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 allow the customer to do something simply we had to write a ton of software and that was our that was our our com- competing point was you know it's a commodity service right well we're going to give you a portal where everything everything is in one place and so when I saw verge I was like wait a minute this actually does make it simple. <laughs> if I'd have had this at my hosting company, my EBITDA margins would have been 30, 50% higher. Interesting. And my customers still would have seen a simple thing, but it would have been simple for me too, which means it would have been better for them. Public cloud is the same thing. It makes it look, or it did originally make it look simple, but it's very complicated inside what they're doing there. It's extremely complicated. Yeah. And, 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 and now it's not even simple anymore. No, you it's, absolutely, an not. it's absolutely not. It's absolutely not. We need ops and all kinds of things to make that work. So we think there's an opportunity there to help help solve some problems for people.
1: Yeah. So t- I want to touch back on the public cloud thing a little bit later, but I think I wanted to sort of talk about you know where you sit with regards to. Yeah, you know, VMware and vCenter, and even not even picking on them. Obviously, they're the they're the biggest incumbent. But um, you know, even like Hyper-V and Microsoft and wherever they might be, Nutanix has got their own hypervisor. Um, I've I've personally noticed a lot of KVM infiltration over the past twelve to eighteen months. Seem seems like it's growing. Um, so is, is that kind of the market that you're looking to to sort of unseat? Not the KVM, but obviously the VMware sort of market that's out there? Is, is that who you're targeting specifically or do you work side by side with them um, for migration as well? Like what, what's the scenario there?
0: Good, great question. So we target Nutanix and VMware. I mean, just to be you know straight up front, we think we have a much more um, cost-effective, simple, secure, agile solution than either one of those. And and you know, both companies, um, I've great respect for both companies, really good technology, unbelievably successful. If we of have one percent of the success they had, it would be great. So I've I massive respect for what they've done. Um, but but both of them have bumped their head up against what's called the innovators' dilemma, which um, you know, it's very hard for them to innovate. And and they're, they're, they are at, as, as they should be, it's a capitalist world, they are at, um, you know, cash extraction from their customer mode. Both of them are. Uh, the acquisition of VMware is is going to cause some angst. And, and we're seeing a lot of angst. Already we're getting a it. lot of response to that. Um, Nutanix has had their own sort of pivot to a software company, and maybe they're going to go private and so forth. And those are big distractions. And they Anytime kind of you any time a business, and I know this because I've done it before, has a distraction that takes even just one second of your eye off of your customer. That's an opportunity for companies like us to step in and say, I, I'm our North Star is making life easier for the customer. And that's never, ever, ever gonna change. And we think there's power in that message. So yeah. We are displacing VMware. We are displacing Nutanix. We are displacing Hyper-V. We are displacing Scale for the reasons that we claim we should be, is because it's just simpler. Beside the fact, it's about a third the cost.
1: Well, okay, yeah, that's it's all. You're almost selling it. To, you're oh, almost yeah, sold, sold it. You've almost sold it to me. Um, <laughs> that's for sure. No, no, no. I think I think it's an important one though to talk about because obviously, like you said, that i've I've used this a few times this week the headwinds right um headwinds are coming at vmware and you know they do they do have a problem of incumbency um, which is usually a strength but i think in this world when you're not when you're not delivering value to your customers or anything new then what, what are you what are you delivering really what are you offering and if you're just going to get more expensive then you know that that's a problem so you're correct there and i guess what you guys have done is focused on that migration part right so from what i've seen again i saw another video um, I, I might link to it it's it's just a really easy one or two step process to actually hook up to a vcenter and migrate into uh, a verge.io platform so you've made it simple to, to move across which in theory is normally the hardest thing to do right is to have confidence in that when you're shifting to a platform you can move with these mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: yeah so and, and people have done some very interesting things with that so we had we had one customer do a, a full hardware migration because what you can do with with Verge IO you can't do with with any other of these operating systems. Is so you could you could have a, a Verge stack you know, running on you know ten ten uh, R R620s. Oh oh I got to replace those with 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 new bigger boxes. So what our customers do is since we we don't care you we can mix amt uh, amd intel we can mix you know we don't care what it is we we hide that that complexity from you so you add a couple of your brand new boxes and you let the workloads kind of peanut butter across everything and then you go to one of the one of the nodes that's like 7 years old and you shut it down and everything keeps working and then you add another new node and then you shut down one of the old nodes and then you add another new node then you yeah. shut down one of the old nodes and so By first ingesting all of your VMware environment, we are a VMware partner. We can plug into vCenter and we can bring all your VMs in and then you just start them.
1: Okay.
0: And then you begin doing your hardware migration to to your your new hardware platform. Again, it's just all about making things simpler. So we've made integration or migration from VMware to us, obviously, as easy as as we could. And originally, our original use case there, Anthony, was that we were going to have a DR product For 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 VMware, you know, but we realized, you know, companies like you guys, Veeam and others has got has got that all sewed up, and will never ever ever compete there because you did such a phenomenal job.
1: Let the pros be the pros, yeah. That's that's what we like
0: to say, yeah. Really, you guys have we we've I've used Veeam for since you guys were a startup, and it's it's really really well done. So, so yeah, we make we make the migration really 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 easy.
1: Um. That's that yeah, that's awesome. So there's and there's definitely the use cases there. And you know, it's it's right in terms of the the encapsulation of the data center above the storage, you know, making it all a holistic sort of view. The dashboard is is very complete as well if you if you take a look at it. So if you spend a bit of time obviously making because I think the one thing that us platform guys still kind of need is is, is visuals we need to know yes. what the what the what the system's doing we need to know how much cpu is consumed what storage we've got we need to see the graphs the monitoring observability I, I, i'm not a big fan of that word but we need to see the observability part of it so yes. you've done a bit of that as well um just before we go on to that a little bit i just wanted to talk about the public cloud because if there's definitely been a shift That I've noticed um, in talking to analysts and media and PR, people are definitely embracing this the hybrid cloud world, which means that you know they're not going holistically into the public cloud. That they're not being they're not being sold the the glory that once was about the public cloud, right? They're seeing the faults. You kind of mentioned it earlier around complexity and and cost and whatnot. But how how do you attack um, when you go to a customer and they say, hey, well, I want to put everything into AWS? but you know tell me verge.io why I should go with
0: you instead good question so um, uh, if somebody's already committed to going to aws we're not going to try to convince them not to just to be just to be, because because there's so much momentum uh, momentum there um, but 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 what what is happening is people are beginning to look for alternatives to aws for one of two reasons it's, it it's just at scale and for persistent workloads it's wildly expensive it's like yes. living in an apartment it's like it's like living in a hotel room for a year. You use hotel rooms for, hey, I need a room for three nights in Cincinnati. I need room for five oh. nights over here. You use them for agility, you know. Yeah. If, if you have a really long-term persistent need to be someplace, you, you wouldn't pick a hotel room. You would rent an apartment. And and you know, Andreessen Horowitz did that great article. There's a trillion dollars of of you know missed value in the marketplace because people are spending so much money on persistent workloads where where the real value proposition Can is. I just is say-
1: can I say that's that's a brilliant analogy, and that's the first time I've heard that. And kudos for, for breaking it down like that. That's and I, if you don't mind, I might borrow that. Don't it. worry, it's all now. yours. I mean, it's out there now, isn't it? But yeah, I mean, yeah. you're you correct, right? And that's that's awesome. So yeah, um, okay, we got ten minutes left, which is good. The timer is ticking, but hey, let's try and get through. I told you this could go real quick. Um, yeah. I think the other part of that whole public cloud thing—it's all about how you consume it. I've always been—I've always been a fan of the fact that people want to consume the cloud as the cloud, and it doesn't matter where it is. So if the cloud is actually consumed on premises in some way via an API or via some infrastructure as code or whatever it might be, that then makes it the consumption model, model of choice. So if you guys, and I, I noticed that you guys have got a strong API, so that's obviously very important as well.
0: Yeah, so I, here, here's the way I look at the public cloud and some, some of it's a little a little um, stained uh, in my, my opinion. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna make a statement that can, a little controversial here, but that's okay. We love a, that. I love that. <laughs> the public cloud's a little bit like ransomware to me. Oof. Okay. Once I once I go there, once I put all my data there, and they make it real cheap and easy to do that. Have you ever tried to get you know a petabyte of data out of AWS? It's expensive. Well, that's what ransomware is, isn't it? You know, oh. I I got your data. <laughs> I got you, you know, and, and so to me, it's like, be careful if you start with it, and the second thing is about public cloud, um, the future workloads, we think people are going to care where the compute is done, especially if you think about, now, these this is kind of long-term visions, but autonomous cars, smart intersections, that kind of stuff, you need to do the compute about within about 10 or 15 milliseconds where your sensors are, Yep. okay, and and so you're not you're, you're the round trip to go to an AWS or, or an Azure data center, you know, from some intersection in Oklahoma to Seattle and back isn't going to cut it. And so actually, we think people are going to start caring where that workload is being done. And so and and if you look at AWS and Azure, they're all doing this. They're trying to they're trying to fit their cloud into a suitcase. Yes. But there's two problems with that. Number one. What they built is designed to run in a secure building surrounded by just world-class $300,000 a year experts. Guess what? You don't have those at all the intersections. You can't use anything. All the architecture they built is extremely complicated. And so you can't fit that in a shoebox. Number two, their business model is all tied to this like ransomware thing. I got you trapped. Well, that's not going to work in a thousand different locations. And so what we've done is is our, our software is so simple, and we have customers doing this. They install us on two Intel Nooks, that draw between the two of them less than a hundred watt power ball. Hey. Drop into a shoebox. You don't even need a switch. You just plug us directly into your providers into whatever, or your WAN or whatever you're connected to. And it fits in a shoebox. And you've got nested virtual data centers that can be compliant, that are secure, that are encrypted, and that at a, that that will synchronize using global data du- d- duplication back to maybe a closet and then synchronize from there to maybe bare metal servers at AWS. And so we can provide this one single, simple, thin platform. It can run anywhere and at Nook's. And at scale, we have won business against VMware and Nutanix because we scale better than they do. And I can get to that if you're curious.
1: Yeah, the scaling is is, is definitely interesting. I'm not sure. If, I would love to get into it. Maybe it might be for a part two episode at some at some stage. But um, I, d- I did want to touch on uh, modern platforms. You mentioned you mentioned you know the cloud and where it's going and modern platforms right in the edge. and and whatnot, Um, where where do you see IO playing in terms of, obviously you've got KVM as the hypervisor, Um, you know, things like um, containerization, Kubernetes, you know, are you guys looking to play at that space as well? Because from what I've seen at the moment, you're um, obviously virtual machine based um, from the workloads, but where's where's the future there?
0: Yeah, good question. So our North star, everything we do in our product roadmap is going to be tied to making things simpler. So you're going to see us not not offer an alternative to Kubernetes. You're going to see us, and, and and a lot of our customers run containers on our infrastructure. So that's not that's not something we don't do today. But yeah. But what you would see us do is make that easier, make that simpler, make that make that easier for you to move those containers around and do things with them and share them and so forth. So so but but we also think that ultimately um, those containers are too. Atomic, like we think of we think of ourselves as a container, but our container holds the entire virtual data center. So yes, so you can you can create a container, a virtual data center that has 10 windows, 10 Linux servers in it, all the BGP, all the all the firewall, all the storage, everything. And you could pick that container up and drop it on to any other verge installation, including your public IP address. And and just click and 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 run it. So we love we love the notion of containers, and That's you would awesome. see us make that easier. Not not try to replicate what they do.
1: Brilliant, excellent. I'm looking forward to that as well. So just quickly, we mentioned MSPs and service providers. So Obviously, you know, I I I believe this would be awesome for the MSP and service provider space. Are you, are you kicking goals there? Is that kind of one of your your go tos in terms of your market market yes. segments?
0: Yeah. Small and medium-sized MSPs are a great space for us because they're getting margin compression. Yep. They, they they can't make money reselling VMware. They can't make money reselling Hyper-V. They can't make money reselling any of the high growth legacy guys and gals. I mean, public cloud, they can't make money reselling that. So they're, they're, they they're sort of end up being, you know, kind of a service organization. And we solve that that margin problem for them.
1: Good stuff. All right. So let's just finish off with those two questions. Um, So I guess how did you initially, what's your take on how you initially disrupted the market? What's made Verge successful? I've noticed that just recently you announced a 3x or 300% sort of, you know, revenue gain. How are you making those sorts of gains in the market via the disruption today?
0: Yeah, so some of that is—is is, look, we're we're just kind of a little bit lucky. There, there's a lot of disruption going on in the legacy providers right now, and and so we're taking advantage of that because people are lifting their head up and and saying, "Hey, what else is there out there?" And so we're that that that's been a that's been you know tailwinds uh, to us. We can't take credit for sort of for for, for that. We're, we're we're taking advantage of that, but but it is simplicity. I mean. If you talk to our customers and we, we don't lose customers, we never lose customers. They always buy more because, because because at the end of the day, they're like, if I leave you guys, I got to hire more people, spend more money and my life goes back to you know, 2 a.m. work on Saturday nights. And I don't want that anymore. I know this sounds trite, but making things simple. For, look, Amazon one click made things simple. Apple iPhone made things simple. So simplicity can can win a lot of business.
1: No, that's a good. Good answer to that. And what about continued innovation and future disruption? Like, how are you going to continually innovate yourselves and disrupt yourselves for future innovation, which is so important in the space? Like you said, you don't want to get to that innovators' dilemma, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I I I like to believe that we'll get there soon, but 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 I, but I think we got a lot of growth to hit hit that one yet. Again, our our innovation is all going to be our north star. Is never going to never going to not be how do we make this simpler what problem are they focusing on next and how do we not like take that problem and like bolt it on but rethink our architecture in a way that 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 uh, obviates that that problem and so, uh, you know, what one things we do have is the software is very mature. We've been shipping the software for for, for five years. It works. I mean, it yeah. just it just works, and it's written in our own language, so we can innovate very, very, very quickly. And you know, each quarterly release has just a ton of new functionality. But you're going to see us just eat up uh, uh, simplicity and, and just a little peek into the future for us. We believe workloads will become more distributed, not more centralized. So, imagine what you need to make. If I've got a wind farm, you know, with 500 windmills, and I've got you know nooks at the base of every one of those, how do I manage 500 places in a way that that has no single point of failure, uh, that allows me to make sure it's still just like one big platform? So, stay tuned.
1: That's awesome. And you know the great thing about IT? There's always problems to solve. So yes. that's brilliant. Yes. All right, mate. Let's, let's finish it on that. So I'd just like to remind everyone out there that if you aren't subscribed or new to the show, please go to gtwgt.com. I'm going to put a link to the show notes that will have all the information about Virgil.io. There's a test drive sign-up form there, like you did say. Um, so for everyone there, please have a look at Yarn and Virgil.io. Thanks for being on the show. And we will catch you next time on Great Things with Great Tech.
0: Thank you, Anthony. Thank you. All right.